Well, we're continuing our study in the book of Acts this morning, and if you remember, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen, as we were in Acts, we saw some incredible things happen. The Lord has started the church, and the church has grown. It started with 120 coming, and, and, and from there, the Lord worked miraculously as people were coming from all over for these days of feast, and, and they heard these people speaking and in, in these tongues of different languages and hearing it and knowing it was miraculous because they were speaking in languages in which they did not know and it was ministering to the people who were coming and they they heard and they believed and God added 3,000 people to the church. In verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, it says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So they believed 3,000 people. Incredible work that God was doing. The way in which he adds to the church. These were not people that were coming to a crusade. There's, these aren't people who were looking and, and seeking and, and wanting to follow Jesus. It, it was those in whom the Holy Spirit brought and the gospel went forward. And he worked within their hearts. And 3,000 people believe upon the gospel. 3,000 people get saved. The church has grown in a miraculous way. And, and they all are baptized. Can you imagine that baptism? 3,000 people getting baptized. From here, we find Luke going and, and, and giving us a, a picture of what the church looked like in its infant stage. Um, here we are over 2,000 years later, 2,000 years later, and listening to what the church was like then and seeing the sweetness of it then and also the sweetness of what he's done in here today. There's also a reason in which Luke wrote these things, and there's a reason in which the Holy Spirit inspired these things to be written, is because these things were praiseworthy. These were good things that God was doing in the church, things that we ought to be um, loving and, and desiring within our own body. And so in verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. We'll read through the whole section that we'll look at through, through the end of the chapter here. It says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What an incredible picture there in Acts chapter 2. They continued steadfastly. Kit Hughes says, know carefully that this verse literally says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine. He says it's very important to note this term 
continually devoting because it governs the other characteristics of the church where the Spirit reigns. It denotes a steadfast and single-minded devotion to a certain course of action. It was just continuing and continuing and continuing. They were spending time in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. Doctrine to begin with. These people within the early church would sit on a regular basis, steadfastly, and talk doctrine. Talking about what it is that Jesus taught. Talking about what it is that these apostles knew. Talking about what it is that the Bible says. And they discussed these things. And it was something that was normal for them. Doctrine, looking at these things, it it changed them. There's nothing more wonderful than to be in a place of considering who we are as people. Sinners in desperate need of forgiveness. And for them to articulate and go through and to look at what it is that Jesus had taught and what the apostles are teaching through the Holy Spirit working through them, that there is a way to have forgiveness of sins. There's a way to have all of your sins removed. To have your sins, what the Lord talked about is hurled into the depths of the sea or remembered no more. And it isn't by works. It's all through faith in what Christ has done. For them to be able to recount and to go to the cross and to think this is what occurred at the cross. Our sins placed upon him and his righteousness placed upon us that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Talking about what life should look like as a Christian and, and, and the gift of the Holy Spirit and being freed from condemnation and, and having the Holy Spirit work in us and to change us and to mold us and to conform us into his image and that it's him, that it's him doing this and what prayer should look like and how we should pray and how he hears our prayers and to be able to go from there to look at when is he going to return and, and what is heaven going to be like and how can we know that we're going to be there and to be able to recount what Jesus was saying over and over again as far as the way to heaven the means to get there all by grace all through faith in christ but being kept by the very power of god till that day him telling us that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it that he's the author and the finisher of our faith and the apostles teaching the people and them hearing this and the joy that is in them over what it is that christ taught what it is that scripture teaches us Um, for some people they think of doctrine and they think of studying the bible and it's just like oh that is you know that, that that just sounds to be utterly boring but when you realize what it is that god has done for us when you study who he is who we are and what the christian life looks like There is joy that is inexpressible in knowing what it is that God has accomplished for us. So they are there steadfastly, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. We find here this idea of of fellowship, this idea of being together. And we're going to be looking at some of the ways in which this fellowship took place. But there is a sweetness of unity that is there amongst the Christians. Being together, 3,000 of them getting saved, 120 that were there before, and they are, are there united in Christ, talking about doctrine, 
praying together, spending time in worship, spending time partaking in communion, doing all of these things together, and it was a normal part of their lives. For us as Christians, the the community that is to be amongst us isn't something that should be there simply on Sunday mornings, but something that should be a regular part of what we do and who we are. Continuing steadfastly in doctrine and fellowship. When you think of what takes place here at our church on a weekly basis, it's, it's amazing to see all that is going on. You have community groups that are taking place here Sunday through Wednesday. You have Bible studies in the morning. You have women's studies in, in the evening. Men's fellowships on Saturdays. You have Kids for Christ here on Fridays. We had, we had 14 people over our house for Fellowship Friday this last Friday. And the joy of just being together and having that kind of fellowship. We have events that are occurring with youth ministry and young adults ministry on Sunday nights. Youth ministry on Tuesday nights. Events that are occurring all the time, but also you just being together from house to house. Spending time with one another, but this fellowship that's there that's centered upon the unity that we have in Christ. Sinners that have been saved by grace and our faith is in him. But also an area that we need to grow in and look at and see how this was something that, was, that, that they continued steadfastly in. They knew that they needed one another. So they were steadfast in doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread. And this, most would say that, that, that they think that this is partaking in communion. Being there and having Christ be the center, the, the, the way in which it's used and the timing in which it's used in this verse, the breaking of bread, it could be just eating together, which they did as well, just having meals together. But also specifically in communion, Christ being the center of what they're doing. Always going and partaking in, in communion and remembering the Lord's death till he comes. Thankful for his work upon the cross. And they prayed together. They were a people who were praying together. It was a, a part of what they did. It was something that they continued steadfastly in as far as let's pray together. Let's call upon the Lord in prayer. And that ought to be something that takes place here within our church on a regular basis. Praying to him. Before service. After service. Looking at the prayer request and, and, and calling upon the Lord in prayer. <laughs> My neighbors are sweet, sweet Christian people. And they don't go to our church. They've been a part of another church for dec- decades. But they're on our prayer chain. And... One day they said, I, I don't know that I want to go to your church because I, I look at that prayer chain every day and there's like things going on all the time, sickness and people hurting and things. That, and they're like, we pray all the time for your church, but it just seems like there's so much there. And, and we talked about it. It's like, it's like that in any church, isn't it? It's just some people don't send in a prayer request saying like, could you please pray for this? But for us to be able to look and say, there's real things that people need prayer for. To be able to, to call upon him in prayer. Um, they prayed together. They prayed for each other's needs. They worshiped the Lord in prayer, giving thanks for all that God had done for them. But this was a normal thing that they did. It says, Then fear came upon every soul, that 
Some of your translations may say, in, in, in every soul was it in awe. Or, also can be translated, there was reverence. Within the hearts of the people, there was reverence, there was awe, there was fear, there was this awesomeness about the way in which they thought about God and what he was doing. A sense of awe upon all the people. I pray that would be us. I mean, it's so much is that within our hearts that, that, that is the reason why we named our church what we named our church. That there would be such a sense of awe and reverence towards God. We'd see him as so powerful and good, gracious and kind. That the way that we would think of him would be one that would just bring us to a place of humble adoration and, and, and him being just breathtaking unto us. When I think of, of that idea of awe and the idea of breathtaking, I, I always am brought back to one particular moment that I could think of when I was playing soccer overseas. I, I played in Austria, and, and, and our team arrived at this castle that we were staying in at, at a conference center in. It was snowing so hard that day. We were playing in an indoor thing and tournament, and, and it was snowing so hard, and we made our way into the, the place that we were staying. Um, it was the Calvary Chapel Conference Center that was there in, in Spital, Austria. And we fell asleep after just being exhausted. And the next morning, I, I, I went to walk outside to go get breakfast. And we, they opened the door. And this is in the middle of the Alps there in Austria. And there was snow covering every tree. And there was this huge lake in front of me. And the Alps was going straight up on the other side and blue skies. And honestly, I opened the door and I looked and I went, it was breathtaking. It was actually, it, it, it affected me physically. I was like, my goodness. It was the most beautiful sight. I, it just was unexpected, and it was incredible to look at. But that, that, that little, <gasps> may that be how we are towards God, in awe of him, worshiping him, amazed at him. It may come forth in our praises and in the way that we think. They were in awe of him. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The Lord was working through the apostles in an incredible way to establish their authority and to make it so that, that those within the church knew that God was doing this. And we're going to see that as we go through the book of Acts, that there was just miraculous signs, incredible things that the Lord was doing. And we see the Lord work in incredible ways to this day. And all who believed were together. Verse 44. They had all things in common. There was this unity that was there. They were together and they had all things in common. There were all kinds of different people, different races, different ages, different economic situations. Some were single, some were married, some had kids, some didn't have kids. All different types of people. But they had all things in common. Everything was in common. 
They were saved by the blood of Christ, and it worked. He worked so miraculously in their lives that there was three thousand plus people that were just in unity together. They knew they were pilgrims. They knew they were different. God had done this incredible work in their hearts, and they just found themselves. We have everything in common. Everything's in common. From there, they sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. We see this, that, that within their hearts, I mean, you can imagine 3,000 people that have come, some have come from afar, and, and there's needs that are there. And they're just in a place of, okay, well, I don't have enough money, so I'll sell this and help to provide for that. And, and if, whatever we need to do to help each other, we'll do that thing because we want to be a blessing to one another. They no longer held on to the things as this, of this world, the material things, as dear to them. They just divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, it's possible for us to read a passage like that and think, okay, well, this is why we shouldn't do that today. And I encourage you to kind of stop yourself when your mind goes that way. Rather than like, oh, we, we don't need to do anything like that today. Have it be more in a place of, that's precious. It doesn't mean that the church always did that. This is the only time that you see them selling possessions and goods and dividing them among all as anyone has need, specifically talking about the early church here. But this is what they were doing. They were looking at one another saying, like, you have need? I, I can help here. But we have stuff. We, we can sell it. We can make it so that you're taken care of. It, it's not something that's, that's encouraging communism or socialism or anything like that there's those that would go to this passage and say see we should be communists or socialists no it's it's not communism and socialism just people are taking stuff from you and you have no choice this is where this is god's people that are saying like i'll help i'll do this what an incredible thing to see it within the hearts of the people just joyfully giving i i have it not everybody sold everything they had. How do we know? Because in a couple of verses, we're going to see they went from house to house. So someone still had houses. They still had something. They met in people's homes. But there was something within them that was just, I'll help. I can give up that. I don't need this anymore. I, what can I do to be a blessing to one another? And I pray that would take place more and more within our hearts. For, for several years, there, there was a terrible famine in, in Sudan. And um, I mean, I, the starvation was worse than anything I had ever seen on TV or anything like that. Where I remember I landed in this city of Tonj, South Sudan. And in and, and the first hour that we, we were there, there was, there was several people who we saw die. They, they were losing 40 people a day in this little village. Every hut I went to had someone just... You can see every bone in their body flies all over their faces. And we are bringing food and medicine and vitamins, and, but most importantly, the gospel. And, and the, the government would give us money to do feeding programs and things like that so long as it wasn't accompanied with the gospel. And we just said, like, we're not doing that. We will always bring the gospel. If it means that we bring less, we bring less, but we will always have it come with the gospel. 
And rather than depending upon tax dollars, we just saw God's people give. Like, we'll help. We'll give towards this. Bring in food, plane load after plane load after plane load of food for months and months and months. And it wasn't a tax. It was people joyfully giving. We see it with the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians where they're these, and it, it, it tells us specifically that they were giving beyond their ability. They were freely and willing to give. And in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 8, there's a sweet verse where it says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. They first gave themselves to the Lord. They looked at themselves as like, he has me in his entirety. I belong to him. And that's what we find here in the early church. They just belong to him. The idea of tithing, the idea of giving, the idea of being a blessing to one another, it was just they gave themselves entirely to the Lord and then to those who were in need. Preciousness there within the church. They sold their goods. They divided them among all as anyone had need. In verse 46, it says, So continually daily with one accord in the temple... The breaking and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They're still going to the temple daily. And the church probably continued to go to the temple on a regular basis until AD 70 when the temple was destroyed. So they're still going to the temple. It was the house of the Lord, wasn't it? So they're going to the temple. Surely they're evangelizing as they're there. They're formally going to church, but also breaking bread from house to house. It was a part of just life in general, going from house to house, breaking bread, being together, being in fellowship. And they ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart. There's joy that is there within God's people. Gladness. Simplicity of heart. Praising God. Worship that's taking place. We singing this morning, the, the first song they were singing was talking about the song from age to age. And we sing songs to the Lord. Just as they were praising him in song and in their hearts just the way in which they talked they were praising him but the same thing takes place today praising him being thankful for him worshiping him and so they're there and they're and they're they're praising him and having favor with all the people and the lord added the church daily those who are being saved god was working in a mighty mighty way in that early church There's joy that's there. There's simplicity of heart. There's ministering to one another. It was a part of who they were. One of the earliest writings that we have that's extra biblical about the early church, the ancient church, was written by a philosopher to the king. And 
I want to read this to you because I, I, it's lengthy, and I'll prep you for that, and it's a little bit lengthy, and I prefer not to do that, but it's, it's interesting to see how this particular philosopher is describing the ancient church, the early church. And I want us to, to take that and, and, to, and to consider that alongside Reverence Bible Church and where we're at. He's talking about the Christians, and so he says, Now the Christians, O king, by going about and seeking, have found the truth. For they know and trust in God, the maker of heaven and earth, who has no fellow. From him they received those commandments which they have engraved on their minds, and which they observe in the hope and expectation of the world to come. So they have his commandments, they're engraved in their mind. And, and they're looking forward to the world to come. For this reason, they do not commit adultery or immorality. They do not bear false witness or embezzle. Nor do they covet what is not theirs. They honor father and mother. They do good to those who are their neighbors. Whenever they are judges, they judge uprightly. They do not worship idols made in the image of man. Whatever they do not wish that others should do to them, they in turn do not do, and they do not eat the food sacrificed to idols. It's awesome. Here's this church. What, these are people that they don't commit adultery. They, they're not immoral. They don't bear false witness. They don't embezzle. They don't covet. They honor their father and mother. They're good to their neighbors. They judge in such a way that it's upright, and they don't worship idols, and and they do stuff that they wish other people would do to them. That's how they treat each other. Those who oppress them, they exhort and make them their friends. They do good to their enemies. Their wives, O king, are pure as virgins, and their daughters are modest. Their men abstain from all unlawful sexual contact and from impurity in the hope of recompense that is to come in another world. They're heavenly-minded. They're thinking about heaven to come. As far as their bond men and bond women and their children, if there are any, they persuade them to become Christians. And when they, do, when they have done so, they call them brethren without distinction. When someone who is their, their servant becomes a Christian, they, they just call them brothers and sisters without distinction. There's no difference between them, whether they have much or whether they have little. They refuse to worship strange gods, and they go their way in all humility and cheerfulness. Falsehoods not found among them. They love one another. The widow's needs are not ignored. They rescue the orphan from the the person who does them, him violence. He who, has, he who has gives to he who has not, ungrudgingly, without boasting. When the Christians find a stranger, they bring him to their homes and rejoice over him as a true brother. They do not call brothers those who are bound by blood ties alone, but those who are brethren after the Spirit and are in God. When one of their poor passes away from the world. Each provides for his burial according to his ability. If, if they hear of any of their number who are imprisoned or impre- uh, oppressed for the name of the Messiah, 
They all provide for his needs, and if it's possible to redeem him, they set him free. If they find poverty in their midst, and they do not have spare food, they fast two or three days in order that the needy might be supplied with the necessities. They have observed scrupulously the commandments of their Messiah, living honestly and soberly as the Lord their God ordered them. Every morning and every hour they praise and thank God for his goodness to them and for their food and drink they offer thanksgiving. If, if any righteous persons are in their, the, of in their number passes away from the world, they rejoice and thank God and escort his body as if he were setting out from one place to another nearby. When a child's born to one of them, they praise God. If it dies in infancy, they thank God the more as for one who has passed through the world without sins. But if one of them dies in his iniquity or in his sins, they grieve bitterly and sorrow as over one about to meet his doom. Such, O king, is the commandment given to the Christians, and such is their conduct. That's written almost 2,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing? 2,000 years ago, here's someone just saying, O king, this is what Christians are like. This is how they are towards one another. This is the way they love each other. This is the way they try to obey the commandments of God. This is the way they view death. This is the way they view those that are in need. This is how they treat one another. Almost 2,000 years ago, this writing taking place and it being recorded for us to read, given to a king saying, this is what the church is like. This is what they're like. I pray that that would be how we would be viewed. We care about holiness. We care about one another. We love doctrine. We love fellowship. We love taking part in communion and, and, and focusing on Christ and him being the center of all that we do. We love calling upon the Lord in prayer. We love being in a place where we're able to give to those who are in need. And we just watch the Lord add to the church daily those who are being saved. There's joy that's within our hearts and the gospel goes forward. There's simplicity of heart and there's praising of God that's just the normal part of who we are. Luke wrote this because he thought it would be good for us to read. The Holy Spirit inspired it because he thought it would be good for us to read something like this and say, this is not the exceptional church. This is simply church. This is what we are to be. This is what it is to look like for us. We're going to go through the book of Acts and you're going to find that the early church was not perfect at all. They're far from perfect. They were sinners, just like we are. But there was an overriding community that was there and a heart that was there and a unity that was there that even to the world, they would look on and say, there is something different there. I remember my neighbor coming out 
side, and he was teary. He wasn't a believer. Um, but there's tears in his eyes, and he, he came, and he, he doesn't live by me anymore, but he came, and he, he had a son that was in his 20s, and he just said, can you talk to my son? He said, my, my son, he's just struggling, and he doesn't have joy, and I don't know what you guys do there at your house on Wednesday nights. That's where midweek used to take place before we had this church. But I, I just watch people leave there. They're like the happiest people I've ever seen. I want, I want my son to have what they have. And it gave me the opportunity to minister the gospel to him to meet his son and minister the gospel to his son. It's not that there's just simple happiness that takes place. There is joy that is there because we know who we are and we know whom we serve. We know what he has done for us and the way in which he has saved us. He's given us his Holy Spirit and he's given us his word and he's given us one another to minister to each other. And the effect upon us is that we praise God. And we have favor with all people. And the Lord adds to the church daily those who are being saved. He works in a mighty, mighty way to accomplish his purpose. Our church is not a perfect church. By far not a perfect church. But the more we study the apostles' doctrine and read words like we're looking at this morning of how the Holy Spirit worked in the church, in the book of Acts, it may change us from having any kind of worldly perspective of what church should look like and what would be praiseworthy defined within a church to this is what God says it should be like. Continuing daily, regularly in doctrine, fellowship, communion, prayer, ministering to one another, loving one another, caring for one another, praising him. May that be us as a church. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this passage. We thank you that you recorded it thousands of years ago for us to read on a morning like today. And and I pray, Lord, that you would mold us more and more into a church that is functioning in a way that's biblical and that's proper and that's right, that affects each other and and that there would be such simplicity of heart and joy and praising you and loving one another and that there would be hearts that desire to pray because we know that we're totally dependent upon you and that there would be just a love for your word. The power of your word would impact us as your Holy Spirit works in us and it would just change us causing us to think in a Christ-centered biblical way about all of life. We thank you for the example of of what you did in over 3,000 people immediately as they joined together. All things in common because your precious blood covered them. 
May we find such unity here. It may be the result be great joy for us and you adding to the church daily those that are being saved. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.